So, here we are. The situation is extremely dire. Because you felt this urge to go to sea once more, okay? And you actually managed to find the ship leaving... Uh, oh, where was it that... Where was it that you sailed out of, eh? Nantucket, I believe. The Essex was a good ship until the gigantic whale smashed into it, leaving you all by yourself in an open boat in the middle of the sea, sucking the marrow out of a leg bone of a dead comrade, whom you ate to survive, hoping against hope to be rescued. And then you are. And for the remainder of your days, trying to stave off the demonic madness, hoarding food worse than a compulsive hoarder, despairing and desperate hallucinations every night, your dead buddies rise up out of the floor. Why did you eat me? Why? 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 A distraction is in order. A suitable distraction is in order. And a good distraction Although one questions the intellectual rigor of this, or its utility, is the Rogue Philosopher Podcast. You should listen to the Rogue Philosopher Podcast, the latest edition of which has been released on a wax cylinder, um, a phonograph, from 1877. Yes, I was doing this podcast even as far back as 1877, well, never mind. I always have to start it and end it with utter nonsense. Uh, this is the Rogue Philosopher Podcast. And I am the Rogue Philosopher. And this time I'm doing another open introductory, opening things up lecture uh, on a gigantic topic, one that I don't have mastery of. It's one that no one will, I dare say, although some will have a very good grasp of certain concepts and methodologies. The topic in question, and I'm going to come back to this over and over and over again, what is religion? Now, it's clear. I mean, there have been hundreds of pounds of paper used to write about this. It, it, I can't say that there isn't an answer because that would be disingenuous. There are many answers, which is why none can agree on one. And so something as complex as this, it, it's, um, it's, it's almost, you know, you cannot grasp this, this, this creature and tame it. It's vast and it's constantly changing. And in every generation, you know, dozens of scholars, as far back as the 18th century, they have been trying to deal with this question because in, in order to understand something, you need to be able to define it in order to study it. And religion is, is it's just gigantic. Not infinite, but gigantic. It might as well be infinite for one person. Um... The theory being, well, if I understand what religion is, and I can study it more effectively, uh, once having defined it, it can be controlled. Um, many, many, if not overtly, they subconsciously see religion as responsible for 
nearly all of the brutality and violence and genocide that the humans have perpetrated against one another across millennia. Uh, and that's probably a vast oversimplification. But, you know, a lot of the opponents of religion want to destroy religion because, in a nutshell, they feel we've outgrown it and it's infantile. Uh, I don't quite hold with it, although, obviously, um, if I were attending a specific church and a follower of a specific religion, I would mention it in interests of full disclosure. I'm not. Um, uh, the Vogue thing now, uh, since the New Age really took hold in America, is to say, well, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. And this even religious people say this sort of thing. Well, I'm really not religious, I'm spiritual, because of the, the dogmatic, uh, the fear of, of either dogmatism, limiting one's thought, narrow-mindedness, or where people will say, well, don't judge me, don't judge me. I'm this, I'm that, don't judge me. I don't think that's what they're really asking for. Because I know when I've thought about this, don't judge me, I'm such and such. Don't condemn, I think, is what it means. Don't condemn. It's uh, linked in with that tradition of, um, of uh, uh, minding your own business. Um, that sort of libertarian concept where, look, if what I believe isn't hurting you, it's not your business to, to declare what I'm doing and to damn me for it and declare it as wrong. So don't judge me means don't condemn. But people really take it to mean don't judge, and they take that to mean that no judgment is acceptable. And I can't quite see that either because people have to draw boundaries. They have to draw boundaries around certain things or else it, it won't be understandable. It won't be a concept that can be digested or, or grappled with. And religion is one of these things that all humans appear to have or have the vestiges of. Even secular, um, I, I would suggest that Marxism, uh, as Arnold Twainty said long ago, he's often cited for this. I haven't found the, the exact quote in the book where he seemed to have cited this, but many have said this other than he, and, and obviously there's different variants, but Communism is a secular religion. Marxism, Leninism, uh, Maoism, um, sometimes uh, left, far-left thinkers will, will dissociate themselves from the most atrocious excesses of, of Stalin. And they'll say, well, uh, he was a personality cult. The same with Mao. Um, and, you know, the same with Kim Jong-un, Kim Il-sung, etc. These aren't examples of real uh, communism because communism is about egalitarian principles. You wouldn't have a leader like that dominating people in its name and so and blah, blah, and blah, blah, blah. Obviously, that's nonsensical and disingenuous. Um, and they'll attack religion from the standpoint of their religion. Um, we have political parties in this country now that might as well be churches, and concepts within that are divisive, as are all uh, religions in their more negative aspects, because each one, and including political parties, say, 
I'm right, you're wrong. The fact that you disagree with me means you're wrong. So there's no common ground. Of course, I'm right. I wouldn't think it if, if, uh, if it were wrong, I wouldn't agree with it. And of course, I'm right, which is a, a vast understanding of one's own competence to make such judgments uh, and, and one's breadth of, of clarity of vision. Uh, I'm not saying you should leave the Democratic or the Republican Party. I'm not saying you ought not go to your church anymore. Uh, but I'm saying is one must be self-conscious in uh, a second-order level of consciousness where you, you question your... One questions one's own reasons. Um, try to, you know, question without throwing everything out because that's another... Another idea of, of deconstructionist postmodern, or maybe we are past the postmodern now and we're in a reflective age that's something else, something more than postmodern, not post-post-postmodernism, something else, because now it's 2019 and we're almost on the verge of, uh, of, of perhaps a reconstitution of old paradigms and maybe a creation of new ones with artificial intelligence, uh, with social media. It's, it's changing the, the boundaries and the parameters. So what is religion? Well, oftentimes we would define that through the lens of our own religion or opinions. That's perfectly acceptable, except when one allows one's own, if you're a scholar, that is, one's own particular worldview to skew uh, your results, to skew your inquiry. So you're going into this question with a predetermined answer already there in hand. And that's, you know, it's, it's easier said than done to have an objective stance. It is very, very hard. And especially now with the level of defensiveness and, and, and uh, divisiveness in our country today, a country that may be tottering on the edge of a, of a calamitous decline um, because human nature is human nature. And if you have been attacked and hurt, legitimately hurt, as people on both sides of our political spectrum and our religious institutions have been, you want to hit back before you get all nicey-nice. You know, and, and especially if you detect that the reason the people hurt you is because of, of their ideology or their uh, political or religious or lack thereof. You're not going to want to make peace. And because we live in such a, a, a postmodern era, um, if you take this postmodern tribalism to its logical conclusion, there's no room for a country. There's no room for nationalism. And we need it. We need nationalism both on the left and the right. Um, on the left, so that we can make a better country for ourselves, what, what drove the civil rights movement, because anybody looking at that should say, well, we're better than this. We're better than discrimination and violence. This is not American. We're better than this. We're, we left Europe, uh, although th that set in motion a lot of different horrific uh, human barbarism and cruelty. The fact is, in the end, uh, the, the the we are. This is the United States, and 
we've survived a, a war, a civil war. Uh, it doesn't mean we know better yet, although we should, because America can't function unless we all determine we're Americans. Above all, we're Americans and in, in, in our innumerable disagreements. So, you know, it's a, a quasi-religious state uh, where you worship the nation. Um, there's a necessity for higher. There always has to be something higher. Uh, even in even the atheists, well, they'll deny it, but the, the, the real militant atheists, what is it that's higher? Well, reason. They, they worship reason in, in that reason uh, should dictate the beginning and the end of, of how we interact and how we, we proceed with, with open-mindedness and clarity of, of vision, uh, not tainted by superstition uh, or, or enchained by, by dogma. And there is, there is something to be said for the idea that religions, all of them, they are not built on fact yet. All of them in their theological statements, their, their, uh, their catechisms, their creeds, whatever, is as if it were factual. Why else would, would theologians argue that Genesis 1 is a fact. It's not a fact. It, it, I mean, you could say it's metaphor. You could say it's, I think Genesis 1 is too suspiciously close to the Big Bang for me to continue to believe that the Big Bang is actually how the universe began. I don't know. I'm not a physicist. I don't know the mathematics. But just as a layman looking at this with, with uh, a lot of years studying religions and philosophies, I don't see... I mean, th there's somewhat of a difference in its texture if you talk about Genesis 1 uh, and the Big Bang. you know. But if you talk about Lurianic Kabbalistic cosmology, it's damned identical. It's, it's damned identical to... You know, the materials, the materialists, well, we don't know. All we know is there was nothing, and then there was something. I mean, and, and read the, uh, the uh, Tree of Life, and it is uncannily close. And he wrote that uh, in the 15, early 1570, 71, and the, the concept had been in uh, Judaism for several hundred years leading up to Isaac Luria, but he... He changed it in in ways that were remarkable and lasting, and had a uh, an effect on on uh, across the globe uh, for Christians and Jews. the The Kabbalistic mysticism has had hundreds of years worth of influence, and its founding principle is about the 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 light, the emergence of lights and vessels, the tzimtzum. The contraction, where the creator, he is both everything and nothing. He withdrew from himself to create a space, to create a vessel. And then a ray of light materialized in order to fill that space. And then you have the whole complicated um, lights and vessels, simsumium, the, the breaking of the vessels, where eventually a point was reached where 
the vessel was too weak to contain the light. So God, in other words, the creator could not contain itself. Um, and shattered. Now, what, what do we, we're dealing with um, the Big Bang. You have matter and antimatter, pairs of opposites, as there are opposites on the tree of life, a different sephirot. If you're a Toledano Kabbalist, you, you believe you can ascend these different spheres and your emotional and worldly outlook is altered according to your interaction with each of these ten sephirot. There are ten. I mean, that's... I, I'm, I'm digressing. Um, so, what is it? It, it, it? It's too easy to simply say, well, religion, religion is, is, is about God. And I think although religions talk about God, or lack thereof if you're a Taoist or whatever, it has nothing to do with God or with helping you get there. It has everything to do with how communities live and interact with one another. Religio, uh, bind, bind together, uh, connecting, linking, uh, the Latin. It's from the Latin term. Uh, Campbell thought it meant linking back, which I don't think it does. I, I think that's because Campbell wanted to go back to the, the old myths and to restore the old myths, but in an individualist way. So he wasn't like a reactionary, um, but there were elements of it in his in his suggestion. So I mean, religion—it's—it's a—it's uh, a heavy word. It's—it's it's a vast word. And whether or not we need them, or whether or not they are valid, none of them are are built on fact. Their foundation is always belief, faith. Experience is, there are some experiencers, mystics, at the heart of every religion that's been created. The founder of every one of these religions, in some manner or other, has experienced the divine. They've experienced the, the ultimate purpose for this religion. Uh, but is that fact? I mean, I think the best we can say is it's subjective experience, and therefore it's valid. It has validity. But to call it fact, I mean, the, the way I experience something might be real, but I might not know enough about what I'm experiencing or its context or, or its psyche in order to declare it real. How can I call something real which I don't know the boundaries of? Or if I, I don't know the cause. I mean, if, 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 if I just say, well, God is the cause. Okay, fair enough. God is the cause. So how do you know what you experienced had anything to do with God? It might have been wish fulfillment. It might have been a waking dream. A lot of religions are founded on, uh, on the consumption of, of atheogens, of drugs. Fine. We, we, our food changes our emotions. Foods can be drugs. That doesn't invalidate the experience, but it certainly would suggest that if it can be induced regularly, it can't, it's, it's more from the human side than the divine. Even if you are attempting to reach the divine through ritual, through chant, through choral singing, even through uh, control of diet, bodily intake of, of certain uh, chemicals or lack thereof, all of this is physical then. The brain is a physical organism, and we, I think until very recently, I had trouble understanding this. 
there is no ephemeral, emotional, airy construct of light living in your head. There isn't. Now, that's not to say that consciousness isn't expanded beyond the boundaries of one's brain. I can't rule that out. I can't rule out that that maybe the brain is picking up on some kind of energy system. And in the end, maybe there there will be proved to be something approximating what we might have once called the soul. But if I experience something, it might change the very structure of my brain. Okay? But I can't say that what I experienced is absolute fact. I can't. And all of these suppositions in religions are based on the acceptance of them as fact. You have to, or else you have a lot of mushy metaphors and eventually disillusion of the religion because you need structure in it. You need uh, a contradictory... uh, God, I sound like a fucking Hegelian here. You need... um, you need both the revolutionary impulses of the mystic and the conservative strength of the dogma. And now, we don't know yet. Are we capable? Do we, have we outgrown religion? Don't know yet. Uh, are there plenty of individuals in the world who don't need it? Yes, and look at what's happening to them. Uh, depression, they're sick, they're depressed, they're, they're full of anxiety. And that's not to say that the religion... Uh, take your pick would help remedy this problem because there's as many reasons tying into it that one religion in particular may not solve. But the fact is, humans have always had it. Um, we've always had our religions. Uh, we've always had rebels, free thinkers. And we've always had mystics. We've always had uh, poets and artists who seem to tap into a similar source of, of sacredness. And we've always had uh, definitions and laws that have served to build our culture. If you keep tearing down the, the, the structures, um, who knows what it could, what it could bring into being, what, what, what terrors. I mean, I'm not saying go out and become religious if you're not, but, but the fact is that the less of it you have the more secularity is forced to take its place. Why? Because there's an emotional... Uh, th- th- there's something in human beings, and, and some will disagree with me, and some will disagree not without a valid point. They'll make a good point to this. Um, but there needs to be a, a, a means of accessing the transcendent. Even though most of us aren't mystics, most people will fall in love. And now we know pretty well what induces love. I think we're, we're increasingly understanding people who fall in love tend to be in one another's proximity. Although the social networking is changing that to an extent. People who fall in love tend to uh, uh, find affinity with one another. That whole idea of opposites attract, it's not true. In the beginning, maybe, but it, in most cases, no. You, people have to be more alike, more alike than unlike. Um, or else you have all the way to the very core. You have a, a, a conflicting ideas. Now, we can explain the, the biochemicals 
we can explain the the drive uh, for reproduction. We can. It doesn't devalue the experience of love as a phenomenological experience, as a subjective phenomenological experience. It makes one feel the transcendent. It you you feel greater than yourself. You're more than you were before, and and you have a chance to connect connect with a humane you know it's it's a it's a almost a it almost is supernatural you're tapping into uh the deepest currents of what makes us alive and some would call that the soul the heart uh by connecting to in love to another person you're you're engaging in uh, the platonic love as a as a as a concept as a state of being you're trans you're tapping into something that transcends the ordinary humdrum day-to-day life you know which it, it can grind you down quite a bit um nothing that science has determined has devalued that what's done the damage to it in a lot of ways is is our uh destruction our agreed to destruction of the entire structure of courtship from the ground up, we've destroyed everything. And there were some restrictions that needed to go that were uh, degrading to women, that were harmful to them and, and hurt them and imprisoned them. But we've thrown out every damn thing, all of it. Now there are no, no agreed upon standards of any kind. And which, okay, say lovey, right? Well, yes, except that people are becoming further and further isolated. Uh, they're becoming more and more estranged, not just to each other, but to themselves. And the, the addictive qualities of Facebook don't fix this problem. They don't, they don't address the idea that uh, we feel an ever-increasing distance uh, between us and loneliness. And why are these things so, so strong and increasing uh, why is depression fast becoming the leading disabling condition, mental illness on the planet? Why is this? And why have we constructed a culture, we've agreed to do this, and, and, and all of us, whose only unifying principle now, contrary to what the, the, the left, uh, in their critique, might say, or or contrary to... Well, I should say I should rephrase that. Contrary to what the the, the libertarian or the, the the right might say, the unifying concept, the unifying behavior, is capital, capitalism, exchange, uh, buying. All of our all of our actions are about uh, fr- about trade. This is not a bad thing until it's all there is. So far from uh, facing overwhelming defeat, I should suggest in some in some ways, capitalism is transcendent. It has it has reigned supreme, and it is a driving force for globalism, uh, more so in many ways than the unified uh, uh, postmodern left. Uh, they want to unify, and, and there's so many things wrong with the left, it's not even worth going into, but there are so many things wrong with the right as well. And uh, at the core 
of all transactions, buying and selling. What's at the core of all that? Trading, exchanging, buying, selling. I need something. And so now we go to Maslow, his, his four or five hierarchies of need. And so religion, if it did not satisfy something on that continuum, we wouldn't have it. Um, and yet, if we decide we don't need it, the dangers of throwing it out on a social level, I'm not talking about individuals deciding, I don't want to be religious anymore. Great, that's fine. I'm talking about whole societies deciding. Look at, look at, look at Western Europe now. You know, there's so many things wrong with, with Western Europe. It's, it's, it, it's not worth trying even to enumerate them because there are so many. But what has happened? Western Europe was able to construct uh, uh, the, the EU and the Euro, the Eurozone, and that whole sort of pseudo-utopian idea. Um, it is full, full of people who, in their sophistication, have, have passed beyond religion. And what happened? What happened? They were flooded with uh, uh, refugees fleeing wars in, in Africa and in the Middle East. And what about it? These, these people are religious, not just that. Their whole identity in every sphere of their life through Islam is, is, is important, and, and not one element of that can be compromised in many cases. Um, and so we have... <laughs> tons and tons of religious people sweeping into a culture that really sees religion as a quaint, uh, bygone superstition of yesteryear. Uh, conflict? Yeah. Okay, and that's that. I'm not making a value judgment of any kind. I'm just saying this is a fact. If you have a, a society full of people who don't have a religion and you flood in hundreds of thousands, perhaps millions of, of people for whom religion is the most important aspect of their lives, whether they're uh, extremist or, or not. It is the most important element of their lives, is, is their religion. You're going to have massive misunderstanding. You're going to have massive conflict. You're going to have uh, a, a real struggle between the groups as to what direction should, our, should societies a go into or society B or C and in this case it it literally is democracy uh, democracy versus versus Islam it really is uh, it, it is true that there are democratic traditions in Islam the uh, some would even suggest that Jefferson did he did read the Quran he, he knew a little bit about about Islam that the democratic democratic principles don't just come from the Greeks. They also uh, arise from the uh, Arab tribes in the desert who who used to vote on everything they did. They were always about consensus and about voting. So, I mean, you could say, well, democracy is in the Quran. Okay, well, but whether or not it is, um, I don't think there are a lot of people out there who stress this. Um, who stress that aspect of it. There are a lot of people, um, a lot of people who 
against against a, a secular world, against against the um, apparent inferiority economically of the Muslim world. I mean, th- this is this has vexed them for hundreds of years. Like, why? Because they used they, they used to rule um, with such advanced civilizations that the 10th or 11th century in Baghdad, you didn't have cities like that until in some elements, there are certain elements of the cities, you didn't even have street lighting. I don't know what, 16, 1700s in Europe. I mean, you're talking about hundreds and hundreds of years of advancement. Uh, And they went from this ascendancy, the Ottoman Empire, uh, the Abbasid Caliphate, they the Baghdad Caliphate, they, they went from, from that to being on the defensive and being exploited ultimately by Western powers, by colonial Western powers for their oil, for their resources, for whatever, you name it. So holding on to their internal identity became increasingly important. And, I mean, Karen Armstrong talks about how we may have indeed gone past we, we we in some ways have outgrown she would argue uh, but there is a hole in our psyche a hole that is the size of God now religion is not about God religion is about people whether or not God is real God may be real but whether or not God is humans built the churches and the religions and the mosques and temples and ideas and the interaction of humans with one another, either in, in love or hatred, in discussion or, or war, have shaped the structure of our religions, what, whatever they may be. Um, not God. If God's influence can be found in religion, it, it may be only in the phenomenological experiences of these mystics at the core of, every, of all of our great religions. I've had a vision. Why should you believe me? What, what do you give a damn about, about my vision? So what? Um, maybe we're reaching a time of disenchantment and sophistication such that there won't be vast movements in religion any longer. It'll be pseudo-religions, political. It'll be built around... around uh, uh, for lack of a better term the left and the right. It'll be built around these political tendencies. How should we live our lives? Who has the right to tell us how to live? Uh, And how much are they going to encroach upon my decision on how to live? That's a very, very empty. You know, and I I, I understand, because I don't, obviously, I mean, but that doesn't mean that I'm not in need it doesn't mean the need doesn't exist. It doesn't mean that the psychological need for most human beings. Not all. I mean, I would say not all, because there have always been free thinkers in that they didn't accept the overriding cultural uh, dogma. They, they thought for themselves. We've always had people who were, their personality is such that they're, they're independent, an examander, I think. Uh, it didn't believe in the gods. He thought he thought the sun was a, a rock, a big red hot rock. He, in other words, 
that there are physical causes. The gods had, it wasn't Apollo. Um, and I think Xenoph Xenophon? Uh, I may be rem remembering this wrong, but he said that, look, our religions, our gods, they look like us. If we were Ethiopian, we would, we would worship a god that looks like an Ethiopian person. You know, and, and I really haven't seen, I haven't looked at a lot of uh, religious iconography or paintings or what have you, uh, but Jesus Christ, isn't, isn't he a blonde-haired, blue-eyed in the European incarnation? And isn't it really so that he wouldn't have been blonde-haired and blue-eyed because he was a Jew from, from the Galilee? He would have looked like people who live in the Galilee, you know, dark, slight, you know, I, I don't know what else. What, what the hell do they look like? I, they don't look like blue, blonde hair, blue-eyed. They don't look like, you know, they look different from us, from Europeans. So, in the gods that are created, I, I, I can't go quite as far as Freud, who had some really wonky ideas about, about religion. Uh... His scholarship leaves much to be desired. That that isn't to say that his works aren't worth con, con, consulting. And I mean, uh, civilization and its discontents, uh, the future of an illusion, Moses and monotheism, totem and taboo. Okay, where he set out ultimately, religion is a wish fulfillment, a waking dream, uh, or it's a, a a way to cope with with the fear of death or the death drive, et cetera, et cetera. I, I much prefer Jung, although Freud was a genius. I don't disrespect Freud. The Jungian idea, it, to me, it seems to offer a lot more. Um, it, it offers a, a transcendence. If we don't experience the transcendent, what, what happens? We become... We become bored and we become diseased and, and self-destructive. And I mean, what ultimately really, if you're dealing with depression, what is depression? It's a sane and healthy recognition that life is devoid of meaning. It's devoid of, of transcendence. It's devoid of any experience that can lift the, 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 the grayness, the monochromal grayness that is many people's lives or that they feel is their life because we've built a society that's increasingly centered around the capitalism of, of service, customer service, food service, this kind of service, that, uh, rather than making things, building things, going out and finding things. Most of our, most of our, our, work now it's increasingly nebulous it's 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 you know retail retail selling clothing retail salesmanship everybody is selling everyone is always selling and there's nothing wrong with that except that it's abnormally stressed in our society it's it's everyone has to be selling and now we're all online and God knows what social networking is going to do. We're all selling these images of my life is so great. Why is there increasing research on Facebook that clearly demonstrates it is directly causing mental illness in people? Uh, because most of us 
we don't have as much enough second order consciousness to question why we compare ourselves to one another. We don't, we're not, and, and confident people who are self-reliant, it, it, it sounds like I'm saying something about a, like it's a conspiracy. It's not. It's, it's a fact. Self-reliant people don't need to buy lots of stuff if they have the money to do so. I, let's not, I don't want to confuse impoverishment with self-reliance, although you might become more self-reliant if you're poor and you can't participate in the marketplace. Um, self-reliant people who are self-confident, they're not, they don't need to fill that emptiness and they don't need, they don't need to be, uh, uh, Improving, improvement, improving their status in their own and in other people's eyes because they're self-confident. You know, okay, why, why, would, you, why would you buy a, a damn uh, beanie baby? You feel no need for the damn things. Well, everybody's got one. Well, I don't care. I'm not everybody. I, I have my own internal consistency. I don't need them to make me feel more real about myself. Um all humans do to a certain point or else we wouldn't have language or we wouldn't have these institutions um, where humans interact. But most of the time, it's, it, serves, it serves well the need to trade if you feel that you need. And in order to feel that you need, an increasing number of our products are, are, have no utilitarian value. It's all about appearance. It's all about status. It's all about, what do we really need? I mean, I have an iPhone SE. That's what I'm recording this nonsense on. I don't need an iPhone XR. The fact that I couldn't afford it, 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 it's a factor. But even if I could afford it, I wouldn't get it. This one still works. Why? They, they, a lot of companies, we know this, they've deliberately programmed self-destructive obsolescence in any product you buy a new car a few years down the line it's broken what what is your car really for it it represents freedom and it represents choice and you know you can go anywhere you want to do people do it no most people don't go anywhere they want to they go where they're told they drive their car to work each day or they drive their car to this place and to that the majority of the times they're told to go there Nobody just gets in their car, fills it up full of gas, and, and drive off into the wild blue to have a, a grand road trip and a, an exploration of freedom. People don't do that unless they're very, very wealthy or desperately self-absorbed. That's not to say there aren't a few people out there who haven't done this for, for reasons of wanting adventure or whatever. You, but the car's image doesn't match its reality. Okay, major cities... Uh, what, what happens in these big cities? Their streets are full of idling vehicles in gridlock. But I thought the car was about freedom. It's about status. It, a car is, aside from its utilitarian purpose, to get you from point A to point B. And I got to tell you, I don't drive. I'm blind. So it's, it's a terrible way to live. If you don't have a vehicle and you cannot drive, you, you really feel entrapped. If you live in the country, that is. If you live in a major city where the upkeep of your car is horrendously expensive and it's parking spaces and all the rest, um, you, you don't need it. You can get on a bus or a train or something. 
ultimately, what I'm what I'm getting at is that that the car has a, has a, a mystique about it that symbolizes freedom and independence. It's not any of those things. It's not any of those things, but they're important to to our social affect. And the damn things have to break so that we keep getting new ones. We can't build one that would last for 20 or 30 years. we got to build one that will break in two. Uh, and we have to increasingly disenfranchise resourceful people who know how to fix their cars. We need to put computers in it to regulate the engine. That has nothing to do with global warming. It has everything to do with, with forcing people to, to pay mechanics horrendously high overpriced services to fix my car fix my car i think every it's common knowledge okay everybody knows that if you take your car into a garage a lot of the money you're giving them has nothing to do with the repair they're being gouged and what are you going to do about it nothing because you can't fix your own car you can't get the parts for it you can't take the engine apart yourself anymore the regulator the computers that regulate everything you can't just replace that chip you have to buy a whole new vehicle to get a new chip this is deliberate. It's not conspiracy. It's, it's a fact. It's, it's deliberate. And it's done so that companies can continue to make money building cars. The electric cars? Are there going to be mechanics who can fix your Tesla? There might be a few, but keep it that way. Are you going to be able to fix your Tesla? Probably not. Probably not. And, and the, the more advanced uh, the technology uh, the, the less you're able to take care of yourself fixing your own car, okay? So that's out the window. But its image doesn't match its reality, and, and that's the case in, in the majority of our social institutions. And so what, what have people done? Well, anecdotally, I can tell you that, you know, marriage, happily ever after, the fairy tale. To hell with marriage. Uh, my parents divorced. Um due to circumstances beyond my control, I'm, I'm never going to marry. But if I had the opportunity to, I might. I might still. It's less likely than, than it might have been uh, 50 years ago. Uh, some people still get married, obviously. But, but uh, marriage is, is an institution that we've decided we don't need in our culture. We don't need it. Um, why why do it when you can have the same you can have your physical needs your emotional needs met just by being in a relationship you don't have to get married you don't have to live you know you can live together without getting married which that's fine you you know marriage doesn't afford you a lot of advantages you know uh, they, they say it does your health your mental and physical health might be somewhat improved. It, it depends. Uh, financially, it's <laughs> you get penalized for it. I don't know if they've removed the, the marriage tax where it's almost like you're being criminalized. You have to pay a fine uh, to the IRS to be married. I don't know if they've done away with that uh, yet. They may have. I don't know. But what I mean is ultimately that, that we've decided we don't need this collectively. Uh, and, and look what's, look what has happened to society. I hate to sound like a, uh, a, a, a religious conservative here, but 
look at what's happened to society. I mean, you can't, these facts can't be denied. People, people are, are incapable, largely, of, of feeling love for their partner beyond the superficial. And does that mean marriage was, was great when it existed? No, no. Uh, it wasn't, it, it, but, but life isn't always all that great for most people either. Life's difficult. Life, you know, yet, so, so we can't throw marriage away because it's difficult or it doesn't live up to its promises. Nothing in life does, nothing. So are we going to throw out everything that annoys us? Well, it's the first instinct. You want to smash stuff up. What the hell with, why do we need marriage for? To hell with it. Right, why? Why do we need, we need it because it holds society together. That's why we need it. Because families are the building blocks of a, of a strong society, a strong family, is, is, is the, 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 the key building block for a strong society. And with family, there used to come, your, you know, your civic responsibilities, which they're out the window now completely. Um, self-interest. And, and the fact is we, we can afford to be self-interested in our society now. Life has become so easy. You know, it, it, you don't even need to work to survive. You, you, you probably should. Um, and you're encouraged to, you know, the poor are, are looked down upon. And if you're fully able-bodied, uh, and you're just coasting and you're just too damn lazy to work. Okay. That, yeah, that ought to be looked down upon that, but it's probably a result either of mental illness or, or there has to be something kind of wrong with people who don't want to go out and make a living. But a lot of people now are on uh, too many. But whether or not it's too many or whatever, who, you know, uh, to hell with interpreting it, you don't need, you don't, in order to live, you don't have to. And in order to, to uh, fulfill certain requirements of society, you don't have to anymore. You don't have to get married. You don't have to work. You don't have to pursue a vocation. You don't, you don't have to, you know, uh, after World War II, uh, the war uh, was responsible for a lot of this, but there was something to be said in the 40s and 50s for American optimism, ingenuity, and, and you could go out and get your own house, and, and families could do it. They could live in their own homes. Now, pretty much, we're all renters. Um, I mean, what... I don't see... I don't see... And the civic, civic duty is gone. And, and, and first to go among all of those things, I think, anecdotally, was religion. That was the first thing they, that had to go. Um... Because now we're all on an individual journey. Uh, we're all on a spiritual journey. And, and spiritual, well, spiritual is nicer than religious because spiritual doesn't imply dogma and judgment and domination, uh, uh, which it doesn't, um, except that anywhere you go, you find human frailty and human flaws. And everything that we build is a reflection of, of the skills and the greatness of the builder and the imagination of the designer, and also the flaws and the neuroses of the builder and the designer. And every institution we've built is reflective of our 
mental illnesses, our instabilities, our egotisms, our, our pettiness, our greed. And so are our religions. They have nothing to do with God. It, it's possible that they help guide you to, to reach this feeling, this oceanic. Freud called it the, the oceanic an oceanic feeling where you're connected to to something galactic, the universe, you're, you're the whole of reality, you're the transcendence. But we've decided more or less collectively uh, religion needs to go. Uh, the harm that was caused by it exceeds the good. Maybe that's true. Um, we've also decided nationalism needs to go because the harm that it caused exceeds the good that it could do uh, because of patriotism and jingoism, manifest destiny, imperialism, colonialism. Admittedly, these aren't fair trades. These are horrible uh, human barbarities. And so that has to go. Well, what, what do you have when you throw away your religion, your marriage, your, your civic responsibility, your vocation, and your nation? What the hell left do you have? You, you, what do you do? You go on Facebook. Uh, and, and why? I mean, why? Why? I, I, I don't use social media. Partly because uh, I didn't want to devote the time required for me to learn how to use it with a screen reader. There are lots of blind people on social media. It can be done. I'm not one of them. I don't plan to be, ever. And the more I hear about Facebook, the more I learn about, you know, Twitter and all these things, they're not bringing out what's best in people. They're bringing out what's worst. In, on, you know, any number of, of situations, you name it. They're bringing out something in people that that's represents the pettiness and the decadence of, of a society that, that's self-destructing. We, we, we live in a self-destructing society. God, I must sound so negative. I, 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 I'm so truly sorry for that. But the question is, what is religion? A good way to access that question is to say, what purpose does it fulfill? What does it serve? Um, who benefits from a strong religious community, if we benefit. Well, let's assume that one does. Well, what do you have? If you're hurt, people will help you. If your house burns down, what happens? It used to be if, if you faced hardship of any sort, in most cases, not in all, but I mean, in nearly all cases, people, people are willing to, if they feel they have been excessively fortunate, and they're grateful to that. Most people are willing to give to contribute to those who are less so. Now, now that's becoming really, uh, you know, that's going out the window too. And part of what's making it go out the window is it's not needed. We have government. We have welfare. You can go to the welfare office. You don't, you don't go to your church anymore and, and say, well, i you know, uh, uh, brother workman or whatever needs um, needs to raise money for uh, a, a medical treatment. I mean, people will will do GoFundMe pages now, and people will 
they'll be generous to the point of, of almost of self-destruction, some people. But because, and it, it's not done yet, the trends that have been set in motion haven't completed themselves yet. You know, um, and it's, it's, it's especially difficult <clears throat> at times when, when one hears about uh, the scandals in the Catholic Church, how they've, they've hidden behind their, their uh, religion to conceal uh, thousands of rapists, of, of, uh, of child rapists. It's very hard to look at that and think there is anything left that religion has to offer that's good. And it's easy to say, okay, the time has come. First, we have to remove all religious tax exemptions. Tax the fuck out of those people, right? And go in and, and you know, fuck the canon law. It has no validity. There is no God. These people have no authority, okay? Arrest these fucking people, all of them. Almost to the point where it's like, you know, you sh you're guilty until you prove your innocence if you're a fucking Catholic priest, so we should lock them all up on mass. We should, we, if we're going to fill concentration camps, uh, FEMA concentration camps anyway, why don't we put them to good use and start by removing the tax exemption, rounding up every member of the clergy, questioning them, uh, you know, let the innocent ones go, and we'd net thousands upon thousands of guilty. And we'd be able to pay off the national debt you know, maybe that maybe that time has come. You know, we 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 we've mistaken religious toleration and religious freedom for its elevation in this country. Above all else, your religion is the most important thing. No, religion has to be tax exempt. No, no, uh, no. Maybe that maybe those days are over. Who knows? Because too many of them, a televangelist, uh, is that religion? So watching the TV, well, maybe you can't go to the church. You're disabled, or you're too, you're elderly, or you're, you live too far away from one. Who knows? I, I who knows? Maybe your mega church uh, has a tele, a, a, a television aspect of it to spread its message, which the gospels say you have to evangelize. You need to share the good news. So why are they all flying private jets? And how come they own mansions? And I'm not, I'm not saying they should be impoverished, you know, barefoot in sandals, whatever. But how come so many of them? How come? So we'd, we'd come to the conclusion that, well, that's false religion. That's really not religion. That's not. How many centuries have the priests of said religion, whatever it is, in society cashed in on their status maybe even an artificial status because you don't you don't acquire that rank through industry through strength through creativity you you gain that status by becoming a member of this this group of people who say they have a handle on the invisible world now why not just call it panhandling really I'm closer to God. I can, you know, do for you because I'm closer to God. So pay me. Now, if there is no God, that's absolute highway robbery. That's, that's pure and simple. It's robbery. 
and you're 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 taking people's money away from them because of of their fear robbery i'm closer to god pay me there's no difference between that and someone standing on the street corner uh and and saying well i need i need can you spare some change can you give me a little spare change can you how is religion any different in other words what am i saying there's an element in religion of parasitism okay and that that's those are that's a very harsh a very harsh statement uh and i'm willing to draw back from it to a point but ultimately what what do they create nothing well, they create gods, but really, what do they do? If you if you deprive religion of its central axis in the community, where oftentimes the churches would give back to their communities by helping people less fortunate in their midst, and practicing Christian charity and conscience, and and giving people a place to turn when they're when they're challenged by by. A, the darker events in our lives. It's not just, they don't just have someone, one person to talk to. Uh, They can turn to any number of people in their community. If you no longer need to build a community to survive, what are your religions left with? They're left with, they're left with empty words, with greed, uh, with supernatural claims of of of, of uh, miraculous uh, acts or 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 of pseudo knowledge that that separates out the 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 high priesthood or whatever the pastorage whatever you call it they have status over and above because of their closeness and their knowledge of scripture. Okay, well, they don't. I think the majority of people, whatever God is or isn't, the majority of people are going to say that these people don't have a monopoly. That was the whole issue of Protestantism to begin with. They don't have a monopoly on the invisible world. If there is such a thing, I deal with that on my terms. And if there isn't, then we need to stop giving endless quantities of money to people who have no claim, they have no no. The, it, it's it's arrogance. It, the, what is what is the whole idea, the whole enterprise of theology? It's a fake science. It's 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 really a pseudoscience. You recall it what it is. It's it's just a whole lot of nothing. You know, I mean, there, there, there was something to it maybe five hundred years ago when. People were trying to determine what's human nature through theology and philosophy. And look what they had to do. They had to crush free thought. They had to smash anybody who who didn't agree with exact orthodoxy. They had to kill and burn and, and, and torture people who thought for themselves. If you had a copy in the 1500s in England, you had a copy of the Bible, uh... First of all, you shouldn't have had a copy of it because even in the Anglican tradition, uh, people slowly began to have their own Bibles and read them. But Tinsdale is a translator, burned him to death. Uh, I don't need to mention Galileo or the whole idea of the sun being the center of the solar system and all. 
because they had a monopoly on knowledge. Why? Well, if, if they were strong in their faith, they wouldn't have felt the need to crush other people's will and, and their, and their uh, thought. I mean, so there's, there's lots, lots of evidence. I don't think I hold with, with Richard Dawkins precisely, but it's not for no reason. It's not for no reason that he's out there doing what he's doing. And the atheists, the, the militant atheists, are actually right in that there's tons and tons of evidence of churches and religions parasitizing their society. And they, what do they contribute? They, if they don't contribute anything any longer, then we can decide we don't need them. We don't need them to determine our identity. We don't need them to help us uh, survive as a community because there isn't one anymore. It's all global, which I hope it, that is appalling. I'd hate to see that day. And I, I, when in my seminary, there were a few times when I, I went to their, to the, to the church, and and it happened to be you know pretty far left. Well, which made sense because I was on the left more when I was ten years ago. And it did, you know, there were still elements of community. There were still vestiges of it that hadn't finished, that hadn't died yet. When you're walking out. Uh, everyone's walking out like in a line and um, most of you if any of you go to churches I'm just I'm boring you know and the pastor it's almost like the pastor is a family member you know they greet you they're warm they're loving they they might hug you they 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 ask you how you're doing they mean it and they want to know how's your family how are you how how are your children how are your your parents uh, um, you know you, you there, there's an an, an element uh, of of give and take. There's there's um, a structure, a communal structure that that benefits the mental health of of people. That's one thing we know. Uh, the more isolated you are, the sicker you become, and the sicker you become, the more isolated you are. This is this is common knowledge. Um, well, the sciences are beginning to really be able to pinpoint exactly the damage that it does to your brain, to your body. When they say loneliness now is, is more deadly than, than smoking. Why are people lonely if the world's overpopulated? See, that's another thing I don't buy. I don't, I don't buy this idea that the world's overpopulated. We need to kill a lot of people to save the planet. I don't, I don't buy into that. That's absolutely horrific. More people, more loneliness, uh, more ways to communicate than ever before, which invariably means there's less communication going on. There's less actual communication going on. And certainly the, the give and take over a, over a keyboard or a screen, you know, that doesn't work. That doesn't, that doesn't fill the need for human uh, companionship. Uh, but, but religion, what is it? It's, it's, it talks about God, but it's not God. And it talks about ethics, but it is not ethics. It has ethics in it. Most religions do prescribe a way to live, or they, they have certain expectations that you need to fulfill. 
in your society. Um, but it's not, you, you can have, you can have communities. We, we tried building one in the United States, a non-sectarian community that allowed all communities to coexist in peace. That's religious. Doesn't mean they agreed. Doesn't mean they liked each other. It means they coexisted in peace. Part of the challenge, it seems to me, is how do you love your neighbor when you disagree with them on almost every point and you can't stand them? How do you love someone you hate? They might still be saying that now, but, but that's hardly being practiced now because it's better to punch your neighbor if they're wrong. Why should they haven't any right to exist if they're wrong? Why? They're wrong. Why give them a time of day? And I, I, do, I do think this, the, the latest, uh, the, the election in this country, America is, is facing decadence of, of unprecedented speed and, and, and breadth. And, and, and we would do very well to reread Gibbon or Suetonius. Uh, you know the 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 decadence of civilizations has has a pattern it has a trajectory and like anything else that's human that humans create it reflects the qualities of the creator so humans have a lifespan and it's a finite lifespan and there the different stages of life uh they're quite inexorable uh, they're quite inexorable. It's, it's, it's it, it it although now they want to deny, they want to deny. Um, the only way to be is is young, twenty. If you're over thirty, you're worthless. I mean, I I do fear for that very soon. As as society continues to decay, there will be a civil war, and or an increased and more open purging. It's already being done. We, we already see the culling of the disabled. They're already, uh, by exclusion or by denying and withholding medical treatment, they're, they're allowing tens of thousands of people in chronic pain to be driven to the brink of, of death. Many of them are killing themselves, which that's a backdoor extermination against that particular class of people. The whole, the, the whole opiate crisis, this whole thing, the opiate crisis. Okay, I'm not a cop in Seattle or British Columbia or Chicago, so I may be wrong, but I think it's overblown and magnified. Uh, it's true that a lot of people are dying from, uh, from fentanyl. Uh, but, it, it, you know, I'm not sure I buy it. I'm not sure I buy it. And, and the fact that their primary targets are not the drug dealers... Or the drug addicts, their primary targets are people receiving prescriptions for chronic pain. That makes me nervous. The 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 the, the lack of compassion for disabled people it won't take much for that to spread. Uh, the eugenics is coming back. Um, both before and after birth, eugenics is coming back. I don't have to be a Republican. Uh, far-right pro-life 
to say that I, I find the idea of a child being born fully at, at full term and then murdered and they call that abortion. That's not. That's murder. Um, abortion is, is when you stop, you prevent the pregnancy from occurring. You, you intervene early on so that it does not happen in the first place. You don't wait eight or nine months and then, then I mean, I, I've, re- I've recently been reading about this serial killer in Pennsylvania. I mean, and granted, this isn't, this isn't abortion per se, but because he's a serial killer. But what gave him the room to do that, unfortunately, is its legality. I think it should remain legal, of course. I don't believe in, in reversing Roe v. Wade. But it, there should be safeguards, the same way there ought to be safeguards on any, anything that has to do with eugenics, including genetic manipulation. As I've said, I'm, I'm for getting rid of Huntington's disease. I'm not for getting rid of Down syndrome, although it's going to happen. I think in another 20 years, there won't be any more. Um, for better or worse, whatever that means morally, ethically, a lot of that's beyond me in terms of the, the intricacies of the argument, but there will be a day soon when, and it's not all bad, but how far will you go and who decides? These are the, that's always the question. How far will you go and who decides? And so, I mean, in the midst of all this, we still don't know what religion, how to define it, how to wrap a, um, a parameter around its definition so that it can be discussed. I suppose it's okay because Plato and Socrates never figured out what piety was either. So I'm in good company. Um, and it's a topic I want to come back to with, with greater refinement. I, I dare say nothing I've said is original, uh, but I wanted to keep it more general. I didn't intend for it to be so preachy, but the idea of what is religion, there's pretty much any major scholar, uh, many psychologists, many philosophers have, have asked this question. What is it and how do we determine it? Because there's also pseudo-religion, quasi-religion. Uh, false religion. Um, having a religious dedication to something, secular religion. I came across a term yesterday, early this morning even, I don't know what it means. What is a Christian atheist? How is that possible? Uh, But, I mean, in any event, um, there are a lot of people I could cite I've mishmashed in my own mind together many of them, and this is a general discussion. But in, in later episodes of resurgences of this question, I will be more detailed in citing specific scholars, or I'll highlight the work of specific thinkers about what is religion, and how do we define it. And, and then having once defined it, what are the implications of its definition, etc., etc. So in any case, I can't stand hearing myself rave anymore, especially sounding more and more preachy. So this is over, 
this is the end. Brought to you as always by uh, our sponsors. Feathers in the pillow of uh, Queen Mary of Scots before her head was cut off. The mud under the boots of William Shakespeare when he walked through London. The Tetragrammaton. And Cogliostro's bones, whatever they may be, in whatever condition, you cannot create or destroy matter, so Cogliostro's bones are still there, they're still somewhere in the world, waiting to rise again. What rough beast, it's our come round at last, Cogliostro's bones tramp towards Jerusalem, rattling and falling apart as they get hit by sandstorms. Uh, in any case, and... Shout out to Chris, who helps organize all these things for me and helps edit, helps with the website. Shout out for Chris. Check out the check out his podcast, Samurai Archives. And uh, that's it for the Rogue Philosopher today. As always, uh, feel free to raise any issues. I'm sure there's any number of things I've said that I probably could have said either better, more elegantly, more accurately, or with uh, greater sympathy. I'm open to being corrected because uh, I'm always open to learning. In any case, I, that was all. I'm no good at leaving uh, answering machine messages. Bye.